Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 13 of Twin, Twin Talk MN. I'm Ryan, I'm Andrew. And today, we have a really crazy episode. Last week, we had two NFL Conference Championship games. The Super Bowl, we know who's playing in it. It will be one week from today. We'll probably talk more about that next week, but still, we know who's in it. Also, a huge trade in the NFL. Two very good quarterbacks in the game, switching teams, and a couple of other drafters. Also, Tons of quarterback controversy in the NFL. Texans quarterback unhappy. Packers may be unhappy with their quarterback. We'll get to all that. Also, in the MLB, maybe the best player in the entire league, or one of the best players in the week, was traded to a different team. You'll have to find out who that is. Also, in basketball, we had another great week and more teams really showing who they are. Also, we're now more moving towards the All-Star game. So definitely, we'll have to talk about who deserves to make it and who does not. But Andrew, let's jump right in. As we said, we know what happened in the NFL Conference Championship games. Can you break one of them down for us? Well, yeah, Ryan, in the first game. Brady versus Rodgers. The Buccaneers versus the Packers. Ryan, if you remember, very, very early in the season, we saw the Buccaneers defense just stifle the powerful Packers offense with that amazing run defense from the Buccaneers. And Devontae Adams had a good game. But, Ryan, this game was right down to the wire. They were trading off touchdowns. But, Ryan, the Packers defense behind the injured cornerback, Kevin King, really, really struggled. He gave up two, I believe, 30-yard touchdowns and missed multiple tackles on a Lamb Fournette touchdown, which led the Buccaneers to a late lead, very late in the game. I believe it was only five. I believe they were up by eight. The Packers had the ball. They were driving downfield. They get down to the eight-yard line. First down, run for nothing. Second down, pass for nothing. Third down, Aaron Rodgers hikes the ball. It's a shotgun snap. He's far away from ascending. He has Vontam streaking over the middle, but he's covered tightly. Rodgers runs out. He has a wild play into the end zone. Packers touch. Oh, wait. He's going to throw it. He's going to throw the ball when he has a wide open running lane to, the touch, to a touchdown. He throws it. Slings across his body. Tackled while he throws it. Devontae's on the ground, on his knees, praying he can catch this ball. Nope. He drops it. Fourth down. What are they going to do? Remember, they're down by eight points, which means even if they do get a touchdown, they have to get the two-point conversion. Also, remember that there's still about four minutes to go, so they could kick the field goal or get the touchdown and still get another chance with the ball. But they decide to kick the field goal, play it safe, and they made it, so they're down by five. Buccaneers had the ball about three minutes to go. They need at least a stop on the first set of, of first through fourth downs or the second. First, run. Okay, so take some time, take some time. Second, run. Okay, I only need one yard for the first. And they get the first. It's okay. As long as the Packers can stop them here and save their timeouts, they can win this game. And they don't. Chris Godwin on an end round wins the game, seals the game for the Buccaneers. They are headed to the Super Bowl. Many, many analysts, and Ryan and I include, have said that this was an idiotic move to kick a field goal by the Packers. I remember back in, I believe, a couple of Super Bowls when they'd give Brady maybe 50 seconds for halftime. The guy, the announcer would say, you know, with Brady, 10 seconds is too much. Even with 5 seconds, he can probably score a touchdown. And here, they gave him 4 minutes to get two first downs. I mean, seriously, 
What are you doing, Matt LaFleur? Terrible play on. You got Aaron Rodgers, Devon Tess, Aaron Jones, Ron Retire, and you're kicking the field goal? Completely disagree. Ryan, who is Tom Brady going to be playing in his 10th Super Bowl? Yeah, well, Andrew, the Chiefs and the Bills game was crazy. Obviously, the definition of the Kansas City Chiefs is struggle at first, get down by eight or nine points. Everyone says, oh, wow, the Chiefs might actually lose. But then they just turn, they just flip the switch. And in this last year, Andrew, if you remember correctly, in the playoffs against, I forgot, against the Texans, they're now by 14, end up winning 31 to 14. Against everyone they in the Super Bowl against the 49ers. They were down by 10. Came back to win by 21. They just always get down, but always come back. Every game you want to say, well, this will be the game. They're down. I don't think they'll come back. I don't think they'll come back. But and they did get down. Bills start with the ball, go down, kick a field goal. The Chiefs turn it over. Bills punt the ball. Chiefs drop it. Bills score a touchdown. Okay. Bills up 9-0. This might be the game where the Chiefs can't flip the switch. But this game was no different. Immediately, Chiefs drive down the field. Easy touchdown. Josh down. Three and out. Chiefs march down the field. Right then and there. Right then and there. Two minutes ago, they're down 9-0. Now they're up 14-9. This team is so good. Until halftime, the Bills didn't score again. Chiefs were dominant throughout the entire game. Bills, they, they, they were hanging around. They were hanging around. They're done. They were down one or two scores. They actually converted a crazy onside kick late in the fourth quarter, but it was definitely too little, too late. The Chiefs ended up pretty much handily winning the game. So, Andrew, you know what that means. The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. So that means Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady, the GOAT versus the future GOAT. The last two Super Bowl champions playing against each other. In the same game. That is the first time that has ever happened in NFL history. But, if you remember some of the past meetings this year, Mahomes played Brady. Chiefs played the Buccaneers. And the Chiefs killed them behind Tyreek Hill's monster game. Went down in NFL history for one of the best games ever. Three touchdowns, 270 yards. Mahomes passed for 500, I believe. Brady couldn't get anything going. And then, if you remember... In, I believe, the 2018 AFC Championship game. When that game went to overtime between Brady and Mahomes. Great game. And then last year, when they were both still in the AFC. A great game early in the season, which the Chiefs did end up winning. Right. We know that this is going to be a huge game. And if you know, we still have another full week before the game. So we will know more in a week. But at least right now. Ryan, tell me what you think, just a little, about what's going to happen. Yeah, personally, I think, again, the Buccaneers will start out strong. I feel like this team has one of the best coaching staffs in the entire league, and I feel like they're really going to put that on his plate. But, you have to remember, so do the Chiefs. And the Chiefs easily have the best offense in the league. No, even, no, no competition at all. But, again, as I keep on saying, will they be able to flip the switch? Last year, when I said they killed the Texans, Texans have a terrible defense. Last year, when I said they killed the 49ers, their passing defense, which Chiefs pass a lot, wasn't very good. This year, when they played the Bills, their passing defense isn't amazing. 
But the Buccaneers are one of the, have one of the best defenses in the league. I just don't know if the Chiefs can flip that switch. But again, getting ahead of myself, they're the Chiefs. They can do anything. Yeah, we'll definitely have to keep an eye on what's happening in the following week. And definitely next Sunday, we'll talk about exactly what's going to happen that day. But fine, you said at the beginning, there was a huge trade in the NFL. Now, Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady didn't move teams, but two guys who had a ton of controversy around them. Ryan, earlier in the week, if you can remember back that far, I feel like so much has gone on. Jared Goff and the Rams had said that he may not be the starting quarterback for the entire for, for day one. He'd have to earn it instead of John Wolfer. At least to me, if I'm Jared Goff, I really want to get out of there since I feel like Jared Goff is a... Uh, Probably tier one starting in the NFL. He's not Brady or Mahomes or Rodgers or Lamar, but he's a pretty good quarterback. And Ryan with the Lions, Matthew Stafford said he didn't want to play anymore. Said he wants to go to a better team. And Ryan, that's exactly what happened. The Rams and Lions made a switch of quarterbacks. The Rams get Matthew Stafford. The Lions get Jared Goff. And Ryan, I believe you said there were some picks involved? I'm guessing since Goff has a better future and the Lions have more top draft picks, the Rams probably got some more draft picks, right? No. The the Rams gave the Lions a pick, and he might say, uh, okay, maybe they think Stafford could be a lot better. Maybe a third or first round pick. Well, you're right. They did give a third round pick. He might say, well, Ryan, there can't be more than that. That's already much better for the Lions. But then the Rams give them another first round pick. First round that is super unfair for the Rams and the Lions. The Lions get a way better deal than you might say. Okay, right. There can't be more. You already said this deal's really unfair. And you're right, I did. But it gets even more unfair. The Rams throw in another first-round pick. That's right. The Lions got, in my opinion, a great, great young quarterback in Jared Goff and two first-round picks in the next two years, not this year, in 2022 and 2023. And a third round pick, I believe, in next year. And all the Lions got, and all the Rams got, was an old Matthew Stafford, who's, oh, he's okay. I mean, I wouldn't say he's going to ruin their franchise, but, like, you're really willing to sacrifice your entire future for a veteran who's pretty bad? Feel like we might not be getting the whole picture here, but I just don't know what else there is to look at. Yeah, we definitely have to see how this really weird trade plays out during the season. But, Andrew, obviously we know Tom Brady is legendary. Now, as you said, he's the greatest of all time in the NFL. But, Andrew, Tom Brady, I know he's made a lot of Super Bowls, but I'm guessing he hasn't broke that many records. Well, you'd be wrong. Here are some Brady Super Bowl facts. As you know, Tom Brady has 10 Super Bowl appearances. Just remember that. 10 Super Bowl appearances. Do you think Tom Brady has more Super Bowl appearances than the entire NFC South in their entire franchise history? That's the Falcons, Panthers, Buccaneers, and Saints. That's four whole teams compared to just Tom Brady. Well, Tom Brady has more. That is crazy. Also, do you think that Tom Brady has more Super Bowl appearances than Vince Lombardi, Don Shula, and Bill Walsh, who are easily three of the best coaches in NFL history? Well, he doesn't, but he's only one away from three of the best coaches in NFL history. Also, as you know, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Brett Favre, and Dan Marino are some of the best players of all time. 
And you know what? Tom Brady has more Super Bowl appearances than all of them combined. Combined. Tom Brady has more. Crazy. And when you look at the last 10 MVPs that are not named Tom Brady in their entire careers, Tom Brady only has one less. And when you look at Tom Brady against Michael Jordan, best basketball player ever, and Wayne Gretzky, best hockey player ever, who has more finals appearances combined? Yes, it's not Tom Brady, but he's only two behind. Also, the New York Giants and the Seattle Seahawks are two of the best NFL franchises ever. And do you think they have more Super Bowl appearances than Tom Brady? Nope! Tom Brady is so crazy good, so crazy dominant, but again, he's way past his prime, and the Chiefs, they're all in their prime. Andrew, let's get to the NBA. Update me on the last week. Well, yeah, fine. The last week has been crazy in the NBA. Luckily, COVID has started to fizzle out. It's hard to say, but it is semi-true. I don't believe there have been any postponements of today's or yesterday's games, yet the Memphis Grizzlies are back and the Washington Wizards are back. But the biggest news, the Utah Jazz are on a crazy streak of winning. You might say, oh yeah, the Jazz, the team without LeBron, or without Anthony Davis, or without Joel Embiid, and maybe like six or seven games. Nope, they've won 11 straight games. Their star point guard, Donovan Mitchell, has been phenomenal, but fine. Let's look at a team that is also really dominant, Vine, the Nets. We know they got off to kind of a slow start after getting their big three, lost to Colin Sexton with Cleveland, then lost to Cleveland again with Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, but Vine, in the last 10 games, they've won 8 of 10. Vine, do you feel like either of these teams can take down the Lakers if they face them in the conference championship or the finals? I mean, personally, I feel like the Jazz... Have a chance. I mean, this team is just so deep. I mean, you look at the Lakers. Yes, they got LeBron, Anthony Davis. It's kind of it. I mean, they do have Dennis Schroeder, who's pretty good. Montrezl Harrell, who's pretty good. But when you look at the Jazz, they've got Donovan Mitchell, who's easily a top 30 player. Definitely will be an all-star. They've got Rudy Gobert, probably the best defensive player in the league, maybe just behind Giannis Antetokounmpo. They've also got Mike Kung, who's great at running that team through the point guard position. We've also got Derek Favors, great backup center. Royce O'Neal, really an Iron Man. Joe Ingles, another great player. Bojan Bogdanovic, really been dominant. Jordan Clarkson, tops in the league in points per game. This team is just flat out dominating pretty much everyone they play. And just a couple of other things around the league. Jimmy Butler returns. As I said, he's been out with the coronavirus since January 9th. That is... Is crazy. He finally came back last night with an amazing game. 29 points, 7 rebounds, and 8 assists. Hopefully, he'll continue to do well. But, Andrew, yesterday, the Celtics game against the Lakers. We know these are two of this might be the biggest rivalry in NBA history. And it was really built up to the game. Did it live up even close to those expectations? I'm guessing the Lakers killed them. Well, Ryan, surprisingly, it was a great, great game. There were some times where the Lakers were up by a lot, or the Celtics were down by a lot, but it was such a close game. The Lakers were down by one position. Celtics had multiple chances to come back and win the game, but sadly, they did not come through, and the Lakers took that game. But a huge game from, to be honest, the Lakers, probably the best team in the league, to the Celtics. But, 
Ryan. Other news from that game. Marcus Smart, the Celtics' good young shooting guard, had a scary non-contact knee injury. That means he didn't collide with someone or he didn't bump knees or fall hard on the floor. He was just kind of walking, jumped up for a rebound, came down, and then looked like his knee kind of buckled. Really hope that he is okay and that it's and that he'll hopefully be back in the coming days, but we will see what happens. Now, Vine, you said that the All-Star game might happen this year? It might. That's good enough for the NBA. I actually think that it's probable to happen, but we'll see. So, Vine, please tell me who some of the guys in the East could be that could be representing their team. Yeah, this is just my opinion of guys in the Eastern Conference that have a chance to be an All-Star. Joel Embiid, Nick's... DeMonte Sabonis, Pascal Siakam, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Jalen Brown, Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons, Bam Adebayo, Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Middleton, and Andre Drummond. Now, Andrew, obviously, we can only pick 13 guys, but if you could just pick your five starters for the East really off the top of your head, just let me know. Well, yeah, Vine, for me, I feel like the starting lineup is pretty obvious, at least in my opinion. It's center, you gotta go with Joel Embiid. Playing like the MVP, at least in my opinion, putting up about 30 points and 13 rebounds every single game. Just nuts. A powerful. You gotta go with Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's having a little bit enough of an off year, but he has back-to-back 40-point games and 20 rebound games. You gotta put him in. He is the Greek freak, and it's small forward. This guy changed ladies in the last couple of years, so you may not remember him, but Kevin Durant is back this season. Playing like the MVP along with Joel Embiid. And I feel like you gotta get him in. And although this guy hasn't played even close to as many games as anyone else, he is still putting up 40 points per game. Bradley Beal, I have to put as the starting shooting guard for the Eastern Conference and point guard, who also changed team this year. I know he's not having a great season, a lot of off-court issues, but I gotta go with James Harden. He is so good. If not James Harden, I would go with Kyrie Irving, his next teammate, who is phenomenal. But Vine. In the Western Conference, we have Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Luka Doncic, Stephen Curry, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, Paul George, Damian Lillard, Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell, Shea Gillis, Alexander, Devin Booker, and Brandon Ingram. Vine, same thing. You can only pick five guys to start. Who off that list would you want to start your all-star game? Yeah, I mean, this is crazy. The Western Conference is not very deep at all. Pretty much after the top couple guys, there aren't really that many other amazing guys. But, as I said, they have a lot of amazing guys. Nikola Jokic is clearly the MVP favorite. Yes, Joel Embiid is playing very close to MVP form. Yes, Kevin Durant is playing very close to MVP form. But, Nikola Jokic is the MVP. He's averaging 30 points per game. More than 10 assists per game. More than 10 rebounds per game. More than 2 blocks a game. More than a steal a game. Nikola Jokic is clearly the MVP right now of the season. And tomorrow, he's got to be the starting center. Anthony Davis, although he started off terribly to the season, there was really no one else. I mean, who are you going to put? Rudy Gobert? He's been playing well, but not that amazing. Carl Anthony Towns has been injured way too much. And at small forward, it's kind of a tough decision. But I got to go with LeBron James over Kawhi Leonard, who in my opinion will clearly be the sixth man off the bench. So that's right. LeBron James at small forward. Now, with the short guys, there are three incredible guys. There's Luka Doncic, Stephen Curry, and Damian Lillard. But I can only pick two. It's a really tough decision, but I've got to go with Luka Doncic at the shooting guard and Stephen Curry at the point guard. If Damian Lillard continues to dominate as he is right now, maybe I could summon in for Curry. But as of this moment, i got to go with Curry at the point guard and Luka at the shooting guard. Now, Andrew, that's pretty much all the news from the NBA. 
But, let's move on. We don't always talk about this, but Andrew, in the MLB, decent amount of deals. Can you tell us some of the biggest deals in the league? Well, yeah, Vine, at the beginning of the podcast, you also mentioned that one of the top MLB players is changing teams, and that is... No, with Arenado. You may not know who he is. He's an amazing defensive third baseman and a great hitter for the Colorado Rockies, formerly. And he was traded to the St. Louis Cardinals. You might say, oh my god, oh my god, the Cardinals. The Cardinals, they have, uh, 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 I don't know, they're going to be so good. And you'd be right to say, I don't know who they have. Because besides Arenado, they have Paul Goldschmidt, who was good like four years ago. Jack Flaherty, who had a 7 ERA last year. And no one really knows who the Cardinals have, unless you live in St. Louis, which I'm sorry if you do. And I just feel like this is a great signing by the Cardinals, but in my opinion, you gotta go after another big-name free agent, Marcelo Zuna or Trevor Bauer, to really make me want to be a fan of you. But fine, some other not-as-good free agents or trades have been made in the last couple of days. Van, if you can remember, former Twins right fielder Eddie Rosario was just as a free agent signed with the New York Mets. He is, well, no, he is joining the Cleveland Indians, the Minnesota Twins' fierce rival in their division. But hopefully, after they lost Francisco Lindor to the Mets, they will not be even close to as good. And Van, some other smaller, smaller deals. Jack Peterson, left fielder for the. Uh, Los Angeles Dodgers is going to the Chicago Cubs on the one-year deal, probably just to replace Kyle Schwarber, who left for the Nationals. Speaking of the Nationals, they signed former uh, Indians coaster Brad Hand, who immediately, I thought, signed with the Mets, but I guess not. Wilson Ramos, former um, former Mets catcher, has signed with the uh, Tigers on a two-year deal to become their most likely starting catcher. Anthony Bass, former Toronto Blue Jays relief pitcher, has signed with the Miami Marlins. Yeah, that is some definitely news around the MLB, and we'll definitely have to closely monitor. Huge guys still available. Trevor Bauer, as we said last week, down to the Dodgers, Twins, Mets, and Blue Jays. Andrew, let's just run down in five seconds for each team what he would mean to each team. Dodgers, clear World Series favorites, clearly over the White Sox, over the Padres, but not by a significant amount. If he went to the Mets... I think they would clearly solidify themselves as right up there with the Dodgers and Padres and right maybe a little bit better than the White Sox. If he went to the Blue Jays, they would easily make it up to that tier of the White Sox, probably a little bit below the Padres and Dodgers, but definitely could get there if a couple of their young players break out. Now, speaking of the last team, let's get to the Twins. Now, Andrew, what would Trevor Bauer mean to the Twins if we got him? Well, Vine, as you may know, our stunning rotation right now consists of Kent Maeda, who's a fine ace. Jose Barrios, who's a fine number two pitcher. Michael Pineda, who's been good, but we really have no idea how long he was taking drugs. Our fourth pitcher, J.A. Happ, I actually think is a great fourth pitcher. And our fifth pitcher, probably either Randy Dobnock or Devin Smeltzer. I have to say, that's an okay pitching rotation. Personally, I don't think Trevor Bauer should be our biggest concern. But, hey, if we get him, in my opinion, that'd be phenomenal. We can move Dobinock and Smeltzer back to the bullpen. Move J.A. Happ to be our fifth best pitcher. Kent Maeda, who was one of the top pitchers in the league last year, to our second best pitcher. That'd be amazing. I have to say, I don't really think we need him. But if we could get him, 
that would be amazing. Yeah, and Andrew, the, over the last week, the Twins made some moves. As you said, sadly, Eddie Rosario went to the Indians. We also lost our great young utility player, Ari Andreazza, and our backup catcher, Alex Avila. Andrew, we lost three people, but we did gain one person. Tell us a little bit about who we got. Vine, we got Trevor. No, I'm just kidding. We did not get Trevor Bauer. As we said, he's still on the open market for someone to sign. But Vine, we did sign Adrian Simmons, who many people, many do not remember, but he was drafted by the Braves in, I believe, 2009. And then signed with the Angels a couple years back. He has four gold gloves, which means the top defensive player at his position, which is shortstop. You might say, oh, wow, Andrew. If he plays shortstop, what am I going to do with Jorge Polanco? Probably move him over to second base. Wait, what am I going to do with Luisa? With Luisa Rice. And we'll move him to the bench, which I'm not thrilled about, but hey. Adelton Simmons, you might say, ah, oh, cool, he's good at defense. No one cares. But last year, yes, it was only a 60-game season, but he hit 300. That means out of 10 at pass, he'd get a hit 3 out of 10 times, which may not sound that impressive, but it is in the MLB. I have to say, I'm very happy that we got him. But, I don't think that's where our free agent market is going to end. Vine, some big, well, some not huge free agents, but Mike Fortinavich is still out there. Braves' former starting pitcher, where the Twins will attend his bullpen session to see how he does. And, former, I believe, one of the top pitchers for the Cubs when they won the World Series, Jake Arrieta, who is a, little, a lot older now, but is still a free agent, and the Twins might want to go after him. I feel like if we could get either of these guys, that would be great for us. But Vine, that's all good news, right? Let's move on to some bad news and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Vine, I feel like every week it's more of the same. We might have won one game or two games, but ultimately COVID hit us so hard. Injuries are killing us. We can't seem to find a win. Yeah, exactly. This week we had three games. And you might say, well, Ryan. We played two games against the Golden State Warriors. We have to have won at least one of them. No, nope. you might say, okay, okay, that's fine. I, I know we didn't have D'Angelo Russell for either, and I know we didn't have Carl Anthony Towns for either. But at least it was probably close. Ten points? Nope, not even close. We lost by a combined total of 34 points. That is terrible. We stink. We had a terrible week as we go 0-3 with two losses to the Warriors and one to the 76ers. And we lost by a combined point differential of 56 points. We didn't have D'Angelo Russell for two of them, but still, 56 points, that's just embarrassing. 34 against the Warriors. In our first game against the Warriors, Josh Okogie had zero points in the first game in 17 minutes. In the next game, Ricky Rubio played 22 minutes, 5 points. In the next game, against the 76ers, Ed Davis and Josh Okogie combined for 40 whole minutes with a grand, grand total of 6 points. Andrew, the Timberwolves suck. They are such a ter- Sorry, such a terrible team. We just cannot find a win calm. We stink. Andrew, do we have any... Future at all. Well, Ryan, I have to say, earlier in last week, Anthony Edwards was shooting a horrible 1-for-25 field goal percentage, but he has turned it up well. I believe he has back-to-back 
double-digit point games, even a 16 or 17 point game a couple nights ago, which obviously doesn't sound that impressive, but for us, it's a big win. And Carnacy Towns, if you remember, two weeks ago on Friday night, he announced that he had test positive for COVID. And I'm pretty sure it was earlier that morning. So, if you do the math, it's been 16 days since he's been out. Sadly, he has already been ruled out for today's game, but hopefully he can return. Also, many people are saying, oh, the Timberwolves are horrible. But you may remember when we got D'Angelo Russell. We gave away a lot for him. And everyone was saying, oh my god, him and Carlton Towns, him and Towns, him and Towns, him and Towns. Do you know how many games they've played together since that? It was close to a year ago. Well, I know it's been about 350 days, so I'm saying maybe 30, 40, maybe even 50. Try five. They played five games together because of Carlton Towns being so injured. And I have to say, it's not even his fault. Just this wrist injury took him out of, I believe, 15 games. COVID taking him out of six or seven games. The last year, I believe he had an arm injury, which took him out of about 30 games or something. Just so hard to win when you don't have your best guys together. But, find some right spots. Ryan Malik Beasley has been looking so, so good this year for us. He is one of the candidates for most improved player. And Ryan, Jared Vanderbilt, who many people really like going into this year, has really made a case for him being our starting small forward or power forward. And I have to say, I really like that. And Ryan, with Carlton Towns out, it's so hard, so hard to win. But Nas Reed, his backup, has been phenomenal. He's been great. I believe putting up 11 points and, I believe, 6 or 7 rebounds in almost 2 blocks per game. He's been great. I still think when Kyle comes back, he should be our starting power forward. Jerry Vanderbilt, it's shooting at small forward. Beasley and Russell. But, Ryan Saunders, our great coach, really doesn't know what to do in my opinion. But, Ryan, let us continue to some gopher basketball. I feel like every single week, they're saying... And we beat a good team, but lost to the best team. And this week, it's a lot worse. If you remember, I believe this was last Saturday, but maybe we didn't say it. We lost to Maryland. Okay, it's fine. We moved down a little. I believe 21. We're 17. Fine. Yesterday, we played Purdue. And it was not pretty. We lost by 20 points. We're supposed to be a ranked team in the country. We lost to an unranked team by 20 points. That's just unacceptable. Just so, so bad for the Gophers. But in the Big Ten, Marcus Carr and Liam Robbins have been nominated for top five at their position. Very, very impressive. Yeah, Andrew, hopefully the Gophers can get back on track this week with a couple more games. But Andrew, let us move on. Ah, and as you know, I believe I may or may not have said it last week, but a couple of days ago marked the one-year anniversary of the passing of Kobe Bryant, one of the best basketball players of all time, whose story I will now tell. Kobe was born in 1978. His favorite team growing up was the Lakers, watching Magic Johnson and James Worthy. And Kobe, at the age of just three years young, started playing basketball. He worked really hard. In his freshman year of high school, he made the varsity team. The varsity team in only his first year. One of the only high school players ever in the history of the country to do that. In his next few seasons, 
Kobe played all five positions. Point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. He was so short, but he played center. And even though he also wasn't super fast, he still played point guard. Kobe was incredible. During his junior year, he didn't average 10 points. Not 20. But 31.1 points. 10 rebounds. 5 assists. But this is the crazy part. You might think, oh, okay, well, he's probably a pretty good player all around. 3.8 blocks per game. 3.8 blocks per game. That is crazy. He is, he had almost four blocks per game. Andrew, this year in the NBA, the second best player in blocks per game is 2.7. Kobe would have been number two in the NBA in blocks. And you might think, oh, okay, well, he must have been really, really tall. Probably didn't get a lot of steals. No, 2.3 steals per game, which is crazy. He was named Pennsylvania Player of the Year, attracting attention from tons of college recruiters. Duke, Michigan, North Carolina, and Villanova were at the top of his list. However, after high school, Kevin Garnett, one of the greatest NBA players of all time, went in the first round of the 1995 NBA draft. Kobe also began contemplating going directly to the NBA. NBA teams started to ask him for workouts in his early high school years. Imagine that, when you were... When you were a kid in high school, just 15, 16, having the NBA give you tons of tryouts. Kobe decided to go straight to the NBA when he was only 17. And the Lakers drafted him with the 13th overall pick in the 1996 draft. Kobe wasn't even an adult. His parents had to sign his first contract because he wasn't even an adult. He was so young and he was taken in the first round of the draft. That's so crazy. They selected a teenager in the first round of the 1996 draft. Obviously, he was extremely underestimated for his small stature, but he made up for it with his crazy speed and playmaking ability. Being able to score from anywhere on the floor. Famous, he was famous for his background spin-out fadeaway jumper. In his rookie season, at only 18, he won the NBA dunk contest. The youngest player ever to do so, I might add. An average 15 minutes per game in a pretty good season. Kobe Bryant started to dominate and be looked at as one of the top players in the coming seasons. For current sports fans, he's like Fernando Tatis, where he's just so young. But he's one of the most dominant players in the league already. And he's projected to be one of the best in the league ever. But he's just so young right now. In the year 1999, in one of Kobe's early seasons, the Lakers needed a new coach. And after making the playoffs in the season, but not going very far, they acquired one of the best coaches of all time in the NBA, Phil Jackson. Kobe, that season, had an absolutely terrible injury and was sidelined for a whole six weeks. But in the next season, 1999, 2000, and 2001, the team was dominant. They won the top players in the league in Kobe and Shaquille O'Neal, with many other decent players coming off the bench, such as Tyron Lue, Horace Grant, Glenn Rice, and incredible actor Rick Fox, who's actually a great NBA player, and Isaiah Ryder, who I believe played for the Timberwolves. Those guys were some incredible basketball players in itself, by themselves, but again, they still had Shaquille O'Neal, top 10 player all time, and Kobe Bryant, top 10 player all time. The team started to dominate with incredible, as I said, back-to-back-to-back championships, 1999, 2000, and 2001. 
That is the longest streak in NBA history, further cementing the team's flat-out dominance in the NBA. When the Bulls' dynasty was ending, and the Celtics were good, but hadn't reached their dominance stint. Kobe was incredible, having many dominant seasons, where he was one of the top players in the league, and in most opinions, the best in the league. In the middle of the 2003 season, when Kobe felt on top of the world, sadly, he was convicted in a sexual assault case by a 19-year-old hotel attendant. Up until then, he was one of the best players in the league and looked at as an angel and couldn't do anything wrong. But his reputation plummeted. People hated him, and the attendance was still incredibly high at the games, but nowhere near as high as usual. And his jerseys were selling for exponentially less than before the allegations. Luckily for Brian, the charge was dropped later in the year. Kobe apologized, but obviously this meant very little. Kobe continued to do incredible things on the court after that that had never been done before, leading his team to a dominant season after dominant season. He was looked at as one of the best all time and just uplifted all fans with this fun, loving manner and hard work. Obviously, all NBA players love to win. Michael Jordan loved to win. Scottie Pippen loved to win. Larry Bird loved to win. Bill Russell. Everyone loves to win, and Kobe was no different. But some guys like Michael Jordan didn't really have that much hope for the fans. And after he won a championship, would kind of make it all about himself and say, well, yeah, my team helped, but I was kind of the main reason. I'm the best player. Kobe would never do anything like that. Second he won a championship, he'd run to find his family. His teammates would all be, hey, Kobe, let's celebrate. He goes, nope, I'm going to celebrate with my family. Kobe was all about family. He loved his wife. He loved his kids so much. And he was such a great person on the court. Every fan in Los Angeles loved him. He grew up with them. As I said, from just three years young, he played basketball for them. Everyone loved him. In 2001, he got married. And at a very young age of just 24, and two years later, had a baby, had a baby, which was a girl who Bryant loved with all his heart. His second daughter was born just three years later in 2016. He had his third daughter in 2019. Sorry, sorry, I read that wrong. And in 2016, sorry, in 2019, he had his fourth daughter. Kobe had four girls. And in his late seasons of the 2010s, he suffered many injuries and knew that his incredible career was coming to an end. And before the 2014-15 season, Kobe announced that this would be his final season. The city of Los Angeles was heartbroken that Kobe was leaving and thought nothing worse could ever happen to their city. Kobe had an incredible season. In the final game ever, he scored 61 points, which I believe is the highest point total of anyone ever in their last NBA game of their career. In his final games, in his final game at the Lakers Stadium, he said, in my opinion, one of the most famous quotes in sports history, no words can express how I feel about you guys. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I love you guys. I strongly recommend searching that up. Again, that's no words can express how I feel about you guys. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I love you guys. Kobe meant so much to those fans. He grew up in Los Angeles and played for their teams and dominated for their city. He was drafted there and said he was grateful to be there, and the owner said the feeling was mutual. He meant to that city. What Hank Aaron meant to Atlanta. What Larry Bird meant to Boston. What Kirby Puckett means to Minneapolis. Kirby decided to settle down with his daughters. His daughter, Gianna, had started playing basketball and was absolutely incredible at it from a very young age and dominated at her own level. Kobe was really looking forward to watching his four beautiful girls play basketball and grow up amazingly. He spent the next couple of years going to their games and also a lot of NBA games 
and Kobe loved his family more than anything. Just one year ago, Kobe was flying in a helicopter with his daughter Gianna across the country when the copter started to plummet and the pilot couldn't do anything about it. The pilot said the plane was going to go down and Kobe knew he wasn't going to survive. Sadly, he and his third daughter Gianna died. They are remembered and looked at as heroes and incredible people on and off the court. The city of Los Angeles has never been more rattled and heartbroken. Their best player, their savior, their hero was gone forever. In his remembrance video, one fan said it was crazy because it felt like nothing could touch Kobe. And now he was at a roadblock forever. He still had so much to do. He could have brought so much to the NBA game. Just remember what some players in the NBA did after their incredible career. They went into coaching. They went into management. They helped the league. As I said, what Hank Aaron did after baseball, he made the league more equal. He helped the country for civil rights with his incredibly high platform. Kobe, anyone would listen to him. Anyone would listen to him. He could have done so much, but never get the chance. Slater realized that the helicopter had no warning signs and that many things went wrong and there was extreme fog and apparently the driver was a little bit discombobulated from something that he did before. The sports word is still grieving the tragic loss and probably will for a very, very long time. There are many in-depth looks by ESPN at the life and legacy of Kobe Bryant, which I strongly recommend watching on ESPN. He never got angry. Kobe never got angry with anyone. And it felt like he was an incredible person. It was so, just so tragic that he and his daughter had passed away with such a bright future for both of them, really. Kobe had one of the best NBA careers ever and became beloved by Los Angeles and will be remembered forever and never be forgotten. And remembered by the entire world forever. But Gianna was so young. And so good at basketball for a kid. And was already getting national attention. But won't be remembered. Probably won't even be remembered in 10 years. Kobe, maybe in 100 years, won't be remembered. But he, we, we know he'll be remembered for a very long time. Kobe will be remembered forever. But, but by everyone, but not Gianna. Right now, she is barely remembered, and in five years, she might not be remembered on her birthday. Kobe's anniversary of his death passed about a week ago. In my opinion, his best quote is, Life is too short to get bogged down and be discouraged. You have to keep moving. You have to keep going. Put one foot in front of the other, smile, and just keep on rolling. That is the end of the quote. We all know that Martin Luther King Jr. knew that his life might be ending soon when he made a quote much like this, but Kobe... He had no idea that his life would come to an end way much too soon. That's just the kind of person Kobe was. He was so uplifting. He had the smallest ego of any, any of the best players of all time. After winning a championship this year, LeBron James said, We are the best and want to be looked at as the best. He wants his respect. The Lakers want their respect. Los Angeles wants their respect. He didn't say, This was all a team. I couldn't have done it without my teammates. He didn't say, thank you, coach. Thank you, management. He just said, I want my respect. I'm the best. Kobe, he, he, he didn't say any of that. He would say, I'd thank my teammates. I'd thank my coach. I'd thank my family. I'd thank all my fans. I'd thank all my supporters. 
And I'm going to come back next year better. Brown didn't say nothing that. Michael Jordan, after he won his sixth championship, famous thing, holds up six fingers. Kobe never did that. Yeah, sure, he, he held up the trophy. Everyone holds up the trophy. But Kobe didn't gloat about it. He didn't brag to the other team. He knew they were working their hardest. He was working his hardest. Sports word is still incredibly grieving Kobe's loss. And at his remembrance ceremony, here are some of the best quotes, in my opinion. LeBron James, one of Kobe's best friends in the world, said, I promise you, I'll continue your legacy. Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe's teammate and probably the closest person on the basketball court in the world to Kobe Bryant. Mamba, you were taken away from us way too soon. Your next chapter of life is just beginning. It's time for us to continue your legacy. Michael Jordan said, Kobe was my dear friend. He was like a little brother. Magic Johnson, one of Kobe's biggest idols ever, said, It's hard in a two-minute, five-minute time to say everything he meant to the world, to the NBA, and to basketball fans. He's bigger than life, Johnson said, before the Lakers' 114-112 to win over the Boston Celtics on Sunday night. This is last year at Staples Center. Magic went on to say, And it will take years to get over his passing, and his daughter, and the seven other people who lost their lives as well. Quote, Magic Johnson. Kobe Bryant will clearly be remembered forever. And hopefully, John will too, as two incredible peeper, people who left this earth way, way too soon. Now, here's Andrew with the birthday of the day. Another huge trailblazer, one of the best people in American history. Ryan, this guy is Jackie Robinson. Now, after that phenomenal story by Ryan, which took a lot of him to tell. Don't really want to make this hilarious, especially since Jackie Robinson had a very, very serious life. But, just an interesting fact. So many of you know that he was the player that broke the color barrier in the MLB. One of the top players in baseball. But, do you know what else he did in college? Yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was a great student and had great grades. But, did you know that he is the first player ever to be on the top team for four Different sports. He also played basketball, averaged about 10 points per game, and played guard and forward. In football, he had a very small team, so he was the quarterback, running back, and safety. I don't even know how that's possible. And he ran track and field as a long jumper. Just imagine playing four sports. You might say, eh, he's not that good at them. But you forget, he was one of the top MLB players of all time. And you might say, oh, well, I'm pretty impressive. And he did it when no one thought he could. When everyone wanted him to stop. Not barely anyone wanted him to continue. But he still did. At everything. Especially baseball. Happy birthday. Jackie Robinson. Now. Ryan. Let's get to. Again. Some sad news in the sports world. Longtime Temple coach. John Chaney. Passed away. Earlier this week. Many people remember him. For being one of the top coaches in college basketball history. Now. Many people don't remember him for being so sincere or sweet, but very tough and argumentative. But that's not just people remember him by. He would be tough and argumentative for his team, for his university, for his players. He would have done anything for those guys, taken down anyone, fought anyone off to protect his team and to get them their wins. Cheney was a great man and will be remembered for a very, very long time as one of the top coaches in college basketball history. 
In other sports news, Joel Embiid said that it's harder to play FIFA, which is a soccer video game, than guard Anthony Davis. And I'd say, I played FIFA, and it's pretty easy. Scouting Anthony Davis must be a breeze to him. And Ryan, Candace Parker, who to be honest, I really don't know a lot about since she was in the, besides she's in the WNBA, who's played for the Sparks for I believe 14 years, is now leaving for the Los Angeles Sky in free agency. And the Lynx, which I should probably pay more attention to, is signed Kaylor uh, McBride, Ariel Powers, and Natalie Ashanwa. I've heard that McBride is very, very good and has multiple All-Star games under her belt. And um, World Handball Tournament is going on right now, but I don't know anything about that. And Ryan, the Texans have hired David Culley to be the new head coach. And as you know, Deshaun Watson said that he really wants to leave. And he said that doesn't change that they hired David Coley. By the way, he is the former Ravens, I believe, wide receiver, passing game coordinator, who had the least amount of yards in one of the least seasons in NFL history and last last season. Really do not understand that whatsoever. But they are the Texans. They make dumb decisions. And in other sad sports news, not as sad, but Eric Bieniemy and Brian Dable and Todd Bowles, Todd Bowles and Bieniemy two black um, NFL coordinators who will sadly be passed up again for head coaching jobs. Being me, this is his, I believe, third or fourth year that he has been the Chiefs offensive coordinator, leading them to the top offense in the league two out of the four times, and he's still not hired. This is horrible. Now, that does wrap up our podcast, but next week, it'll be the day of the Super Bowl. So much talk about that. We'll be so close to the NBA regular season all-star game. And so much more sports news. All that and more on Twin Talk MN.